Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two handsome debonair co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. If you want to find us on the web, you can do so at reviewedpodcast.com, facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the 1988 anime film directed by Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, Miyazaki, excuse Miyazaki. me. Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, <laughs> Hayao Miyazaki. I'm going to do that for the next two hours. Um, uh, my neighbor, Totoro. Jungle Boy. It's the good time fly high fantasy you've been looking for. It's a journey that will take you to heights you've always dreamed about. Hang on tight to my neighbor, Totoro. They're furry. They're cuddly. They're huge. And they're loud. And most of all, they're lovable. And there was a little one. And one this big. And a great big one. But to grown-ups... You don't believe me. They're invisible. Enter a beautiful new world of enchantment, where your house turns out to be a magical playground. And your neighbor is a magical Totoro. It's the fantasy that's... I'm a little nervous to talk about this movie with you guys for a couple of reasons. One, we are not anime experts, and we should have had John West on to talk about this movie. Or your friend. Or your friend. Or where's your friend, Mike? Your uh, one who wanted us to do this movie. Oh, you'll be listening. Your friend Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah, his friend Hayao Miyazaki. Um, Stephen Dautner is is very excited to see what we think about this movie. So opinions. He had some strong opinions. Some good and in a negative or positive light. We'll find out. Uh, we will. He's not on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to ask in retrospect and then do an update. No, but my my neighbor Totoro, I'm nervous to talk about because I don't want to get this movie wrong uh, because it's such a seminal work of anime. Uh, it's such a seminal work of animation. It announces the appearance of probably one of the uh, the auteurs of the form and definitely the auteur of anime. I mean, I think even people that aren't familiar with anime know who Miyazaki is. Maybe. Um, he's... He's definitely one of the towering figures of animation. He's inspired many other artists. He's got a distinct style and aesthetic and tone. Um, and this is kind of that movie that uh, really, I feel like, launched him into prominence in a, in a lot of ways. Um, so I don't want to screw this up. And, you know, we're pretty we're pretty ignorant when it comes to anime. And, like, right off the bat, people are going to be like, this is going to be annoying. So um, I'll do well, my no, best. I think it's important. No, so I, I think it's wrong to have anime people talk about anime uh, movies, I think because they're just gonna jerk like off film, the whole time. You know, film people is that why? talk about it, and the thing is, like, it's just like having me on the podcast. Like, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of movies, but that brings a certain perspective. And I think coming at this from a non-anime viewer perspective, I think will will I think will be an interesting conversation. What Mike is arguing is that ignorance is good. It's so, nice, actually, yeah. <laughs> so, what is uh, you know what? Uh, this is my favorite part of the show, actually. Mike, can you give me the elevator synopsis of my neighbor Todoro? I don't know if anyone can. No. Um, so <laughs> wow, two young girls move with their father to a new uh, estate, essentially. It seems like a large piece of land. Um, Takes and, place in Japan. Uh, in Japan, right. Post uh, late 50s. Is that, is that the time period? Yeah, yeah that's, what I would, that's what I garnered from it, yeah. Okay, okay. 
Uh, so they move to this new new property, and they discover uh, strange supernatural beings around the the premises. Um, one of them the being furry. a large cat bear <laughs> named Totoro, <laughs> and it kind of it highlights their struggle and their um, their journey in dealing with their mother's illness, and also exploring and using their, I guess, imagination or just seeing things as they do as children. Left for interpretation. We well, that was. It. <laughs> Amazing, Mike. I, I have to give you a lot of credit. That was pretty great. I couldn't have done better myself. And the reason I say that is because I'd argue that there really is no plot to this movie. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, that's, uh, I want to talk about that. Yes. But I think that's a very uh, Miyazaki thing of the Miyazaki movies I've seen. Uh, Mike, have you seen this movie prior to this podcast? Uh, no. And I actually have it. The only Miyazaki film I've seen um, was Spirited Away. And that was a number okay. of years ago. Um, yeah, I think... So. I, I think Actually, I think Spirited Away and I think... Uh, what's the one with the fish... Ponyo? Ponyo. Ponyo. I think I've seen yeah. those two. Um, now, I know that Dave, being Mr. Cinema, I'm guessing has seen a lot of Miyazaki <laughs> movies, right? No. Uh, well, you seen Princess Mononoke? Uh, yes. Okay. And I saw Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, okay. That's another one. Yeah, that's oh, another yeah. One. yeah. And I have to say, I don't really remember the stories very much <laughs> of them. These movies so, are, de- are definitely, I mean, that's, so that's this, is the first, this is the first Miyazaki movie I've seen twice. I don't know about you. Um, no, I this I've only seen them once. I've never yeah. repeat watched Miyazaki. Yeah. And what is your? Uh, I guess. Okay, so Mike, go back to what you were saying. I guess the first starting out this argument, not argument, discussion, discussion. is, you know, you can for objectively kind of say this movie kind of doesn't really have a plot. It kind of meanders. It has a tone. It has an aesthetic. It has a feeling. Is that? really important for you like do you just check out if you don't have like that act structure of a plot to keep you going it's interesting so as I'm watching it I feel like this is not an American movie like it just it feels like a similar feeling I get when I watch other foreign films where it just it doesn't feel what you're used to it's not part of that formula where you're not you're not going through and you're not like okay this is the here's the problem and this oh this is what this person's gonna have to do oh that thing's gonna come back later like there's not a lot of those tropes that that you know US cinema tends to do um so in some way, it's it's refreshing to kind of look at something that's just a different animal entirely, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, yes, I think in the beginning. So I, I also I like plot or I like something. I like having something to kind of dig into and 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 wonder about. And there are some movies, and I think some or even books that can do, have a really good story that keeps you wanting to know more. Um, I didn't necessarily feel like anything was happening in this movie. And I think I felt the same way about um, Spirited Away. And I'd like to see that one again sometime and see if that is still how I feel. But his movies tend to be, you don't watch them to have a, hear a great story. Like it's, He's not necessarily an amazing storyteller, but he's an amazing world builder. And he's an amazing visual world builder. And I think that is a major reason why I think the movie is so successful is because, yeah, there's not much of a plot there, right? Um, but the characters are all very real and very vivid and very detailed. And um, the element of, of design in the world and everything around it is is really interesting. Like you have like Totoro, him and his two buddies are like really well designed. They're cute. They're funny. Like he's kind of weird, but and creepy, but funny and enjoy. <laughs> like like he's a really interesting character. And there's the cat bus, which has that amazing sound every time it opens one of its windows. And <laughs> there's a lot of like weird stuff. The soot monsters. Like what was the point of them? Like they just disappear halfway through the movie and never see them again. What were they? Like there's a lot of weird stuff in there. It doesn't like. They're kind of like Will of the Wisps in some ways, right? Yeah, yeah, like little like spirit things, right? So, but so I think if you're going there and you're like, oh, but what about this and what about that? Like that's not really why you're going to see his films. You're going because you want to see something um, 
whimsical, amazing, beautiful. Like his, I mean, oh my gosh, the the sequence where they're growing the trees with Totoro mm-hmm. is amazing. Even just from an animation, a technical standpoint, that is so complex and so well done. Like they frame by frame had to draw all that stuff. And when you rewatch that thing, imagine having to draw every single one of those frames, not only the, the sheer labor of having to do it, but also making it in a way that looks like, oh, that's how that tree totally would grow. And it looks amazing and beautiful. So you go to, you, you watch his movies to see amazing things. No, I that, think that I think is yeah. Like, I think that's really well. Oh, finish what you're saying. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and I think his characters are great. I think like the little girl May is adorable, and I think she's so she's like such a real character, right? But I think my problem with the movie is that it's so good. All the stuff that he does so well, there's not enough of it. Like Totoro is is not in it. He doesn't show up till like about halfway through. Right. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff where I feel like I I was expecting the movie to be a little bit more about about Totoro. Like it, that's it's, it's he's on the cover. That's the whole you know. Um, and by the way, let's talk about the cover at some point because the picture is—it's like a melding of the two girls. It's very weird, but we'll get back to that. Um, I don't know. Overall, I think it's—I think the—I wanted to see more of his of Miyazaki's thing. I wanted to see more of his stuff in like with the the tree house, not the tree house, the tree world. Really, they go into like all the the, the whimsical stuff. I think they need to have a little bit more of it. Um, I'll stop for now. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've been I talking think, for like forty-five I think, minutes. I think that's uh, a pretty. Uh, uh, interesting encapsulation of kind of my general feelings about Miyazaki as well, uh, about this idea of world building and what he does so well. Um, I remember watching Spirited Away and being very, um, coming from such a traditional story background, watching Spirited Away for the first time was like being on acid. I'm like, what mm-hmm. the hell is like? Yeah. Ha- and this yeah. is the movie that had just, and the reason I watched it is it, that was a big deal that year uh, because it won Best Animated Feature at the Oscars. Mm-hmm which is right. rare that a, uh, a non-Disney film, even though Disney now has a partnership with Studio Ghibli, but that a non-Disney animation studio film won an Oscar and a non-English speaking film won Best Animated uh, Picture. Mm, so it's yeah. really interesting to kind of like see something that is, I, I would argue, not mainstream American, kind of take a very mainstream American thing. Uh, so I was very curious to watch it. And I remember being like, it's kind of like Alice in Wonderland on crack. And this movie, <laughs> yeah. this movie I liked better than Spirited Away because it felt less menacing to me. There's something joyful about how sweet this movie is. There's no there's no antagonist in this movie. Totoro isn't a bad guy. There's no one out to get Totoro. Like in a, in a traditional movie, there would be people that would try to capture Totoro, like an E.T., yeah, yeah. and like they'd have to like free him. Like, no, this is just like, it's just about the wonder and whimsy of being a kid in the countryside, which I think is really kind of beautiful. And it almost reminds me of Stand By Me a little bit, like capturing mm. like that mm. endless summer feeling, um, though in a very non-traditional uh, way for me personally was American, but it, this idea of like a Japanese countryside and 1950s, and um, you can you can very much see that Miyazaki is drawing from experience of what it was like. I'm guessing he grew, he had to have grown up in the Japanese countryside because this is such a specific point of view of what that experience is like, and that when you're a kid, there are these magical creatures and wonders and all that kind of stuff. But Dave, I mean, wh- going back to that plot question. Do you have that issue with Miyazaki's film, or you do, you're not you're not as much of a plot guy, are you? I'm a plot guy. I mean, I, I you know it, it depends on the movie, I guess. I mean, for this one, it, I think it, I think uh, a plot. I mean, there there's kind of a plot, right? I mean, they move to the countryside. Their mother is sick. Uh, they wait for their mother to get better. 
she gets better at the end. <laughs> I, that's not I mean, there's not no, a lot of there's not a lot of gets, conflict. She never but, gets better, right? No, think. I, I think, think she it's does. Just, it's, it's hinted that she's going to get better. Uh, that's right. what I took from that. Right. I, I mean, I guess when I look at plot, like plot from a traditional I standpoint think, is like, and this happened, so this happened, right. and, the, and and because of that, this happened. This movie doesn't really have like, that kind it, of it, it consequence. Does eventually, but at the end. It's like the last like twenty minutes has a plot. It's yeah, like all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, we better we better say something here." Okay, let's. Uh, just the little girl it. runs away. That's like the you know. That, that's, that's the, the third. That's the third act twist. Yeah, that's the the closest it comes to a plot. Uh, I think this movie's a beautiful movie. I think this movie's a very Agreed. good movie. I don't know that I really enjoy these types of movies in general. And, and, and you know. Yeah. yeah okay. And, again, and, it is a little too fun for your taste. Okay, no, no, it's it's not it's not a matter of it not being fun. It's just. No, it is fun. That's the problem, right? It's. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I would just come out and say I didn't love my neighbor, Totoro. I don't, I don't really love anime. I don't really love uh, Miyazaki's movies in general. But I feel like, you know, given enough time, I feel like these are the kind of movies that, prob- that I probably could grow, uh, learn to to like or love eventually. <laughs> you know, it's the kind of movies... It's, it's like, like the whiskey of movies. <laughs> like you just learn to appreciate like, it over time. It's like the arranged marriage. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, there, there's so much to appreciate about uh, Miyazaki and, you know, and this movie in particular. I mean, it's just, it's just uh, a very gentle slice of life. It's, it's full of these wonderful details that, you know, like there's this one scene where I that you would not have in a Disney movie where they're just kind of like getting to know the house. It's just like, it feels like there's just like five minutes of them. They move to the countryside. There's this new house. The little girls are exploring it. And the movie just is kind of patient. It's quiet. There's not a lot of music. You, you it just doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like you're just watching people. You know? right. it al- yeah, it almost feels like an animated uh, a documentary or an animated Terrence Malick movie or something. Yes, it, it totally does. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and you know, there's. I just remember this one shot of the, one of the little girls crawling up into the house, and the guy and the dad almost trips over them, and, and the little girl's just picking up a, like a like a little I don't know an acorn or something. And uh, you know, that's, that's just the details of what it's like being a kid, just exploring and, and how you uh, you know just kind of ignore the adults around you and. Um, I appreciate all those, and just obviously the the uh, the look of the movie and uh, the the paintings and and all you know, just the the flow of the animation and how much creativity there is in like say the cat bus and the idea that you're getting on a on a bus and it you know you're going inside a cat. I mean that's just you know it's a little. Did uh, you watch this with your daughters? I, I watched this with Julia last year, and, and I she think was, she liked it. Oh really? I would she I would expect it. her to be bored. Well. She liked it. I mean, she... No, I, I can see why kids would like it because I don't know if kids are necessarily... I mean, I think some of them... She don't want to watch do. it again. Okay, well, that's actually... Does she damn. ever want to watch a movie again? No, she... Yes. She, okay, I'm she just rewatches, Yes, we... Yes. She'll go through phases with a movie and she'll so watch offended. it every day until she gets sick of it and wants to watch another one. Okay. So, yeah, I, um, it's, it's kind of interesting because... Um, I almost feel like this movie works better for people that are adults but know what it's like to be a kid. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, there's and I'll this, tell you what, sure, that's like where the wild because the are, opening yeah. five minutes, that song. I know, like, me too. Oh my god, are we watching like a children's children's movie? Like, I felt the same this? way. I'm like, I was like, oh boy, this is gonna be a what long have I done? minutes. <laughs> the music is not great. <laughs> the well, that, well, the theme song is not that great. Although uh, it is catchy. Totoro, Totoro. I mean, it's on. very Japanese. All right, you know, when you see that, it's very Japanese. But the thing about uh, the movie that I appreciated is it just captures the essence of wonder that I think so many filmmakers try to capture, but 
a few do without being. Che- I don't think the movie's cheesy, uh, which is one thing I think no. is really a testament to its strength. Ah, the dad's a little cheesy. Little I know, cheesy. but I like the dad because he's a warm, gentle character that doesn't have. Like, he's just a good guy. Like, how mm-hmm. often do you like? It's so interesting to me. Like, I'm so amazed that you were able to describe the plot as you did, Mike. Is very impressed because I would have been like, it's about good people that kind of just hang out uh, for 90. Like there was like, <laughs> it's like the, the pitch of this movie is so hard to come around, you know, like what it, it's a tone poem about, about youth. I don't, I don't know like what yeah. the, the selling point. I mean, it's about the, being a kid and exploring. But why exploring is, them. I guess my question is when this movie hits in 1988, it, it is a, it's a big deal. I, it, it definitely, it's popular. It's, you know, Ebert considers it to be one of the great animated films of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a film that's remastered, and then um, uh, the Totoro is considered to be one of the top anime characters ever. Like, I, I just, I'm just curious. Like, why? How did Miyazaki um, hit? You know, um, is it just because the style was so impressive that everyone was? I mean, just he blown didn't invent this style, right? I mean, Ma- Mango was a, a an anime, and anime films existed. Before this one, I guess. Oh, well, I this think. is why we need someone that actually knows about anime, I'm, I'm, and this I'm is our guessing. this is our ignorance. <laughs> but did anime movies look this good prior to Totoro? Because uh, movie looks great. Like you can't argue deny that. It, like the landscapes and like you could hang up a frame of this movie on your wall and be like, "That's a beautiful image." Yeah, I'm just like looking through pictures now, and it's just beautiful. Like the uh, the image of of uh, when they first find Totoro in the woods, and he's just kind of nestled into like the side of a mountain, like a grassy mountain. Um, the the scenes of him just kind of flying with the two of them you know yeah it's, it's really <laughs> I mean, lovely it's, uh, the, the, the sequence where they're just standing in the rain waiting for the bus yeah and that, that sequence really I mean, stands out to me just like because it which does, is on the cover I guess so. uh, well it's on my cover yeah. uh, the one I watched but the the thing about that yeah se- like so hang on real quick we're talking about that cover look at it because the little girl on the cover it's neither sister it's like a combined version of the two of them with the red umbrella it looks like Setsuki to me it looks like yeah, but it's it looks not like because the she, old, has the, she doesn't one. have the pigtails though. She has pigtails in the cover. Are we looking at the same thing? I don't think so, man. She looks like just a frame I think, from the movie. I think we're looking. Disney presents Studio Ghibli. Yeah, she does. She looks different. You're right. Uh, uh, hold on, but uh, I don't know that it matters because she has pigtails, which is not her. Th- she has short hair, so it's not. Oh yeah, that's her thing. She talks. Even she tells her mom that she has short hair. Oh, it was Dakota yeah, Fan- her little sister. I'm, has it. I'm so assuming like, you guys watched the dub, the dubbed version. Yeah, I watched the Dakota yeah. Fanning L yeah. Fanning version, yeah, I which I guess, yeah, which yeah. I'm guessing is uh, probably sacrilegious to. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think when it comes to animation, honestly, I think that. Oh, you're right. That is so bizarre, Mike. It's a, it's like a hybrid of both girls. Right. Oh, that's uh, holy weird. crap! Do you think maybe? There aren't two sisters. You think that there's some kind of psychological trauma there? But it doesn't change anything about the movie. Uh, no, <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> that that, 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 that wouldn't change anything. You can, you could, uh, you can uh, conspiracy. You can nine eleven truth this one all you want. It's not going to change the movie all that much. Well, I was saying that because I, you're you're usually the guy who does a conspiracy theory about movies. I'm like, no, uh, it's just a movie. I think I, I think this podcast has grown me out of movie conspiracy theories, which is interesting. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Because I actually, um, I don't want to get on too much of a tangent, but I just watched the movie Colossal by Nacho Avigalando. Have you yeah, seen that, Dave? I have it on my queue. I have not seen it yet. Um, and I just watched that movie, and there's a lot of ways you could interpret it. And I didn't, at the end of it, I didn't feel like interpreting it. I just kind of took it as a tonal experience and walked away. I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to think about like trying to figure this one out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think you really did. I think that's just part of getting older. I've listened, like, for instance, with Lost, I was, you know, a little obsessed with trying to figure out, like, well, what's really going on on the island? And now you don't give a no, shit. No, no. Yeah. I mean, I mean, eventually I didn't care. And then, yeah, when it comes to, like, the mysteries of shows, I don't really, 
care. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> it's like the experience. I do want to. Th- uh, I did have. Did you guys? Um, I don't play video games anymore. Um, but I used to a lot as a kid. I I cannot watch this movie without thinking of um, Shigeru Miyamoto and the idea of Zelda. So, um, do you guys play Zelda as kids? Oh yeah, yeah, the no, original Zelda. No. no. Too fun. Too, too fun, fun for, for you, Dave. Dave. I didn't. I I think I've said on this podcast that I don't. I I didn't play video games growing up. I, I did a little bit. Too but busy the, just making. I, I was just too busy making out with hot chicks, <laughs> yeah. riding in my Trans Am. Well, yeah, is that what you were doing, Dave? <laughs> well, well, I, I, mean I, I got easily frustrated with video games, so I I just I said, well, probably better just not to play them. Well, Shigeru Miyamoto <laughs> has talked about how the idea of Zelda is this the idea when he first created like the 8-bit Nintendo version of Zelda is this idea of exploration. His idea was to try to capture exploration and wonder. Mm -hmm. Something that he had growing up in the countryside of Japan. Like, where you go down a secret tunnel and maybe there'd be something there. And kind of taking that and putting it into a video game framework where you had to solve puzzles and do dungeons and all that kind of stuff. But that was really revolutionary at the time because Zelda created this framework where the game wasn't just moving from left to right while avoiding things. Mm -hmm. Like, Zelda was about you could go anywhere and you could Mm -hmm. start in any order and I feel like that type of uh, level of play and exp- exploration is very much mirrored cinematically with a movie like Totoro, which is, feels like it's just trying to capture that essence of wonder. I, I was also reminded of the um, uh, the Pokemon series, which Pokemon was created because the creator of Pokemon, I don't know his name, I should look it up because I have the internet in front of me, but it was created because he used to collect bugs as a kid. He just Mm -hmm. would walk around the Japanese countryside and collect bugs and name them. And that experience of collecting them and then showing them to his other friends and them competing and trying to get new ones is the basis of what Pokemon is, which is now virtual experience. I never knew that, that's pretty awesome. you kind of just walk around and like collect things. And I feel like, I guess what the long-winded, what I'm trying to get to in a long-winded way is that my neighbor Totoro, I would like to play the wander around in VR of the Totoro universe, if oh, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, although but, you would probably be pretty frightened when you ran across, came uh, across Totoro at first. Potentially, but I think that's kind of the like, that's kind of the joy of it a little bit because it there's there is a lit. I, I don't think this is. I think it's a sweet movie, not a menacing one. But there's just a little bit of darkness to the characters. Uh, you know, they they don't they do have teeth and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that long ex- creepy building grins, which I think is my favorite part about him, is like when he's is slowly creeping grin that goes across his face. His pedophile grin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, you had to go there. <laughs> no, no. I think it's. I think it's actually really cool as well. I I think that that's what makes the movie kind of. I almost, like you were saying, Mike, I think I would want to live in the world more than I want to watch this movie. Does that make any sense? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. I, I think, you know, it's very similar to what we said about um, Blade Runner. I mean, the, the two of them, very similar movies, first of all. Uh, I don't think they're that far off. I think there is there is, <laughs> there is something about, I mean, not like, obviously not well, as an ex- apples and oranges comparison. Sorry, but you, you don't think Blade, I think Blade Runner and my neighbor Twitter are all pretty vastly different. I, uh, well, no, I, I, I think, honestly. I'm making, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I need to explain myself before. <laughs> I'm exp- I think I know where Mike's getting at. I agree with Mike. Continue. Is that it's, it's, the world is amazing. I just think the camera was pointed at the wrong thing. Perhaps. Oh, okay. Or at the wrong time. Well, I, I was just going to say both works are more concerned with creating a world than telling a really defined story within it. Mm. Um, and obviously and they're, very, sure, yeah. they're very different ways of approaching that idea but I think that movies are really interesting because some 
movies can do that. And some filmmakers are good enough that they can pull that off. I don't gravitate towards those kind of movies, nor do I, or nor do I, could I ever aspire to make those kind of movies? Because I just, my brain does not think like that. Like right. I'm not, it's not how my mind works, but I'm, I'm always fascinated to kind of spend a little time with somebody's mind who does work like yeah, that. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm a total escapist. Like I love video games. I still play them. And the ones that can, I can get lost in a world in are the ones that stay with me the most where I, I feel like I'm somewhere else. And like, I can, explore something are you talking about legend of zelda same thing like the, the idea of being able to explore and like find secrets in other worlds is like that is so much fun to me and I, that's what I, I think what i like about this movie is that it, that world exists and it's, it's really charming um but i do think like i i think it's the whole thing is supposed to be you know we can sit here and probably argue about whether or not totoro is real um you know i think the movie kind of gives you a chain of events that make you believe like well there's no way they would have been able to find a little girl if the cat bus didn't show up so clearly it was all real <laughs> but like I mean certain things that, like I mean the trees didn't really grow in the backyard so I think it's supposed to be you know really is about children's imagination how they can see things that you know adults can't and how you know that that is a certain magic that we lose as we get older um, I was just I mean perfect example and I think I, I wonder if this is what they were talking about when they talk about the soot monsters or the soot creatures that you, when you go outside and then you step back inside, you see them more easily there. And I'm wondering is, like, I don't know if you guys ever experienced this. As a, as a kid, my brother and I used to see these, like, floating dots at night. Like, when you cl- turn the lights out, there would be, like, these neon floating dots that flew around the room. And as kids, that was totally normal and you didn't really question it. As adults, we were recently talking about that and we're like, what the hell were those things? Like, what? We on LSD? Like, what? Wait a minute, we need to rewind here. You saw neon floating, neon floating, floating dots. Yeah, like they were they were traveling in groups. He saw more elaborate versions than I did. Mine were just like, like schools of fish. But dude, I don't know. I have no idea what that was to this day. Unless my parents were like lacing LSD in our dinners, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> or what you that have was, an, or why I can't see them anymore. You have an undiagnosed eye problem. I know. I, I that's weird. I, I, Do you live next to like a busy road, perhaps? <laughs> well, we, we we grew up next to like a nuclear radi- radiation. <laughs> oh, oh, that's oh, why. Like, okay. But I don't think that was it. I just I don't know. <laughs> that explains so much. Everything about your uh, you know why you're so short, all that kind of stuff. You know. I'm not. Whoa, I'm whoa, just hold joking, on a second. Joking. I am average height. I'm, I'm like dead. Average. You're taller than I am. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I see what you're saying. I didn't see any neon dots as a child, but you do see the but world. Sure, did you? I do. See, like, did you see anything tangible? Like, did you have things that you actually thought you saw? Like, do you have an imaginary? Kids, people have imaginary friends all the time. Oh, I definitely had imaginary friends. Hundred percent. I had like. But like, were they actual? Friends. Like, were they just things that you were playing a game and you were making them up, or did you actually think there was an actual? I think person? I actually thought there was something real there. I know it's weird, like, and without trying to sound insane, but I think that that's what uh, uh, I took from that. Uh, is as a kid, you just, I don't know, there is a joy that. We always we often talk about the joy of childhood, and I think that that's kind of what this movie is just about. Whether or not he's real, like that question, makes no difference to the movie, and I, I think it's kind of boring. To no, talk and it about. doesn't. I think, yeah. and I, I, I like that they don't really. I mean, I think tongue in cheek. It's it's we all know as adults that okay, oh, these are just things that they're making up or something, you know. But well, they do that thing at the end where they it's like they do the Polar Express thing with the corn, you know. Where like you're right like with the whist, like the bell and the Polar Express, only the kids can hear it, and they're like, well, but there's this yeah. piece of corn well, here. No, where I, did it come I, from? I definitely think they made it to the hospital and they did drop off the corn. She's like, how did that happen? Like, did she find her? And then did they both walk over there? Like, it, it's like that's what they're imagining happened. But like, what actually happened? How did they really? You know, hmm. 
I don't but know. I, th- I think you're right. I think well, it's real. I mean, I think maybe it really that's is like... uh, what, that's kind of what Miyazaki does, right? He kind of does this magical realist thing where he'll blend reality and fiction in a way where the distinction between the two of them doesn't matter anymore. Like it's just like this is just this, you know. Um, mm. And it, it's a it's a real slippery slope, right? Because I personally, I've seen. I, I mean, in screening films for short of the week, I've seen so much garbage magical realist like movies where like the disc like if i get a description sent to the site where it's like it's a surreal meditation i'm like oh nope like that's like my first like I, i'm like already like out because it just i already know it's not gonna be about anything it's just like they just wanted to make something and they didn't like but miyazaki some reason like his stuff manages to kind of surpass that which is kind of cool but yeah well i think yeah i think if it's done correctly and done like properly if the world is good enough you can you can get away with not necessarily having to have a plot. And most of the time, like, like you're saying, you're probably turned off by a lot of those movie descriptions because they don't always nail the other world. Or they don't. there's something about it that isn't intriguing enough or true enough or real enough that makes you say, holy crap, yeah, there's no plot, but my God, what an experience that was. Yeah, and uh, I'm actually going to talk about a movie. Um, I've been trying to talk about this movie forever. Wish you heard out. Um, uh, George Washington is a movie. Oh, yeah. Have you guys seen George Washington? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a film that has no plot. Uh, but I consider it to be one of the seminal films ever made. Just so like kids hanging out in it, Texas. The whole movie is just not Texas. Is it not Texas? Well, it's not really sad. It's like North Carolina, South Carolina. Oh. But it's just a, it's a movie about nothing, and I find it rapturing. So I, I, it's weird. Uh, again, this is it, it's such a weird thing to judge because when you're reading a screenplay or you're writing a screenplay or, you know, if you're taking like a, a McKee seminar on screenplay writing, they're like, this screenplay is good because its first act ends at page 25 and there has a second act break at page... Like, there is like a rigid formula. But if you try to apply any of that rigidity to something that Miyazaki does, it just falls apart. But somehow the movie still works. And I think that maybe it takes a really skilled filmmaker to kind of bridge that gap and to think in that kind of way. So I guess like my probably... As much as I don't like love... His stuff, I have a deep admiration for it. If that I makes sense, I feel about the same way. Yeah, I mean, you feel like he really understands the material. You feel like he've, he's lived uh, in these characters' shoes. I mean, like there's an actual, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't feel like someone who's faking it. The way the way you describe people yeah. submitting films with it's a meditation on on whatever. I mean, it sounds like those are people who are like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I'm you know I'm going to make a film like this because it, you know people will think I'm a certain way. But I feel like high, you know Miyazaki is. is is this way he really appreciates the the details of the countryside and what it's like to run around and, and kind of just get lost in the woods and you know uh the reality what it, you know it's i would say these creatures are real within the context of the movie so i mean you know how real these things feel to children um and uh you know i don't think it you know i think it also has some interesting um thing not, i don't know if it has a lot to say about it but i mean i like the way it dealt with uh the mother being sick and the kids just kind of, you know, what you would do to distract, I mean, it, to distract children if that were to happen. I mean, it's, 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 it, as I understood it, the mother just had a cold. Is what? that right? No. I mean, she, did, she, did, did, <laughs> no, dude. She had like some, that, it, it seemed like she had like some kind of immune like AIDS or something where she's, <laughs> she's getting sick and she can't like she's it's a chronic thing she's been in the hospital for a while uh, that should go on the poster Mike Mirandi uh, the I'm mom looking, has AIDS uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia <laughs> description plot description and it says eventually the mother returns home at the end um, I think she had what? yeah I think she does get I think she does get better and here's here's what it says it says maybe she had the, pneumonia so in the last 
And, yeah, and the last like scene, that, the girls a chronic perch, illness, and she the girls are perched in a tree outside the hospital, overhearing a conversation between their parents and discovering that she has been kept in the hospital by a minor cold, but is otherwise doing well. So she does. So she, that's what it says. And I, I and I think I remember her, the mother, saying this time that she, you know, she doesn't act like she's very sick, right? I mean, the, the mother is, you, she's in bed, but she's kind of, you know, she's not like moaning and sleeping and and uh, you know, she's. Talking. What the hell is she? Is, is she in a freaking hospital for a cold? Wait, you know, honestly, I think her and the and the father are having problems, and I think they use it as an excuse. What? Took advantage of the medical system. Is it possible this movie actually... takes place just over like a couple days or something? And for whatever reason, she's just in the hospital. For no, them. I don't think so. That doesn't. They, Dave, they moved to a new house, and she didn't go with them. Like that's a major life event. They would have. Oh, you're just sick. We'll wait till you get better, and then we'll move. Uh, yeah, I, the fact that they moved, anyways. Like I, I got the impression she was in there for a while, and she would be for a while. The first time was, seeing this movie, I expected her to to die, or you know, like I, yeah, me too. I said, is it going to go there? Is, is this movie going to go there? You know, like in, in, in a rated G kind of way, where they just you know they don't see her again. Well, it's also it's it's I you know it's funny. I thought the same thing. I was like, this is going to be a movie about coping with death. It's yeah. not. It's not yeah. a movie about coping with grief at all. It's just a movie about being a kid. Like I uh, I um. No, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little. Well, bit of both. it's about dealing with weighty things, but there is no. Okay, so a good example is this movie came out last year called When a Monster Calls. I don't know if you saw that movie or heard about that movie. Oh, about I think the, kid, the monster comes through like a window and picks a kid up or something. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's yeah. it. That, that's the uh, the elevator pitch there. But that Twitter, movie Twitter is no. all very... A monster comes... That movie is 100% about a kid dealing with grief. Like, it is about huh. the, a kid using magical realism to deal with the pain and struggle of grief. And everything I read about that movie makes me not want to see it because it just looks seems like a slog to sit through. Yeah. And Totoro isn't a slog to sit through. It's, it's just a very... It's a pleasant, enjoyable experience I feel like you could walk away come back you know kind of just it's uh it's it's just it's a nice it's, it's a good sit you could argue that pan's labyrinth actually uh this kind oh, of yeah, totally. reminds me a little of oh of that's this interesting hmm. um it, with uh, oh you didn't yeah I, I totally the, the, the Guillermo del Toro movie um which we should probably watch actually would be a good uh, a good thing to watch in this podcast um yeah, I know everyone calls that a movie. But that has magical realism, and it doesn't really, to me, to me, that movie doesn't really answer the uh, question as to whether it's real or not. It's real to the the little girl mm-hmm. in the movie, just like the these creatures are real to these little girls in, in uh, Totoro. Um, so I would say that uh, having not seen um, When a Monster Calls, I would hope that it doesn't try to answer that question because, uh, you know, I prefer to believe in the reality of, you know, if the, if the girls believe it's real, then I believe it's real, you know? <laughs> Wow, interesting money. Oh, Dave, sorry. And 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 you know, in the movie. <laughs> so, I guess what we're kind of this is like the movie. Like, I guess we really did need the anime nerd in this podcast to tell us why this is like the seminal work of animation. I do think that one of the. Um. Well, what what would be another one? Like Grave of the Fireflies. You ever seen that movie? Oh, oh for an anime. Yeah. I mean, I would say that a lot of people would argue Ghost in the Shell, which we saw and watched. Yeah, we've like done two anime movies on this podcast. Right. We don't know anything about anime. What, what right. are we doing? Have we done any other animated movies? Oh yeah, yeah. Just wait Beauty for it. Joe Tyler's going to show up and be like, guys, none of you guys watch anime, so uh, <laughs> it's podcast sucks. No, Joe's it too. Sucked. Joe's too cool. Mike was the worst. Joe is too cool to watch anime. Let me mm. tell you. <laughs> 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 um, Joe's had. Some um, no, I. Um, What's, yeah. What is that? What's what is sex? <laughs> exactly. What is sex? I don't know. I don't you know. know those I... kid, that kid you have. <laughs> oh well, that's not mine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was. <nah. laughs> um, what? Um, anyway, 
Uh, any other final thoughts as we kind of start closing out the Totoro discussion? Any thoughts about Miyazaki? Does anyone want to give an impassioned defense why he's like the bomb? <laughs> I, think people, I think you're throwing that question out to the audience. No, because no, I, I'm I serious like though. Because he's kind of a, he's, he's worshipped, dude. Like yeah. if you talk about Miyazaki, he's held in the same esteem as Scorsese, and mm-hmm. like he is, he is one of the seminal filmmakers, right? You'd yeah. agree with that, right? I would, yeah. So, but, uh, but, but I've never met anyone that just like loves his stuff. Like just like watches it all the time on repeat. Like, I I don't know. I never met that person. I'm just curious to meet who, are we all, I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting. I don't know what I'm getting at here, but like. This is actually, so one question I wanted to ask you guys is, is the, the dub. Do you think, do you think the voice acting and, or just the, you know, the character acting in the movie, does it work for you at all? Because I thought that, I thought the, the, the girls, I think the uh, Sansuki is okay. I think May was amazingly animated and I think the acting, like whoever did her voice Elf was fantastic. Fanning. I think she was like, she seemed like the right age and everything. The father seemed a little like Hokey. one note to me, uh, but my God, the mother, the mother's voiceover was horrible. That was bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually don't think. <laughs> I actually think the uh, English dub in this movie. I don't think any of the English acting is all that great. And I'm guessing that if you watched it in an original Japanese, it might sound better. The one thing that's interesting, if you watch a foreign film in its native language, the acting is always 100% better because you can't tell if it sounds bad what they're saying because right. you're not familiar with how a dialect right. should sound. So like bad acting if in a yeah. foreign language often is like, oh, this guy's a great actor. He's like, you can't, yeah. you don't know how people actually like talk, but like as an American, you know, or an English speaker, excuse me, as a native English speaker, you understand the clues of what, what doesn't sound or feel natural. Right. Um, so yeah, I thought a lot of the dialogue readings felt pretty stilted. That being said, when I started watching, like normally I'll watch a movie with subtitles, but this, it just started working with English. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to figure out how to change this. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it already was hard enough to get to watch this damn movie. No, so, I, th- I think that uh, I yeah. think that with when it comes to animated foreign films, I think it's okay to watch dubbed versions, in, in my opinion. not that the, Because no, you're not, not the voice is not being because unlined you really, up. Because you, you really want to pay attention to the visuals when it comes to animation. I mean, you, 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 you want to keep your eyes yeah, on what, what's uh, actually... You know, it's, 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 there are animated films are meticulous. You, know, you, you want to actually see, really pay attention to the composition, what, what they're showing you and how they're showing you, showing it to you. So, you know, reading subtitles just, you know, it, it works. That works really well, I think, for, for you know, foreign films in general. But, uh, you know, I, I have to say, I, even, I, I do find it challenging to watch foreign films that are, that are really beautiful to look at, but also ones that you have to really pay attention to the subtitles because you're kind of, your eyes are kind of doing this battle where you're like, uh, oh, look down, okay, look up, all right. You know, it's like you have to develop a method. Um, and, you know, I've been waiting for someone to come up with a better way to subtitle foreign movies. I have to say that... Uh, I've never uh, had this problem. Have, have you guys seen John Wick, the John Wick movies? Uh, yeah. No. You saw the John Wick movies? I've seen so, the first somebody one. Somebody get this man a gun. <laughs> right. Well, there's... It's the only thing I've seen from that movie. There's, there are subtitles... In, in, because he's, he's dealing with like Russian gangsters and you, whoever and the way they subtitle the movies they, they kind of like put the subtitles next to the characters heads and they, 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 you know it's it's oh that's it's, weird yeah it's so that you, you know if you're looking at someone's face the subtitles next to their face mm-hmm. um, I, I guess, never so, had this what, problem my wife has this problem which is with, sub, with subtitles in movies. I generally you know it's I'd interesting never I watch movies with subtitles after a while I don't even yeah, know either, either do I I'm like whatever like I get yeah. it I, 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 I usually get used to it too but I, I bet I feel like I would People might benefit it's more. It's something when I first when I watched my first subtitle movie, I remember like the first two minutes were torture, and I'm like, I cannot get through a movie having to read. This is going to be horrible. 
And then I remember very quickly, I was surprised at how quickly I adapt. Where you don't, I don't, I don't notice anymore. I'm not sure. Is that just me, or is that? I mean, yeah, you, you do have to adapt. And I think when it comes to anime, like when you and what's if I think back to a scene, I think of the scene as in in English. I don't hear it in my head as like, hmm. yeah, probably that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've done it. We did the Totoro. Hopefully we did. <laughs> I've been sort of rushing it out of here. <laughs> we got we to wrap this thing yeah, up. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is there anything else you guys want to say about the Totoro? I don't know why I keep it. No, some... I, I guess I just, enjoy, I, I kind of talk a little bit about just, you know, the, the, the technical prowess of animating stuff, but something should be said for the design as well. Like the actual, like, um, design of the characters. Like Totoro is such an iconic character where I knew, I knew who he was before I'd even seen the movie. Or yeah, me as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I like how you call him um, a bear rabbit. Who, who yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know what, like a bear rabbit cat? I don't know. No, he's a bear cat rabbit. Um, he's kind of like Garfield-ish a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's some Garfieldness to um, him. And I, I love when, when he opens his mouth super wide and you see all of his teeth. Like his teeth are kind of scary. Yeah. Like they're a little bit too, they're not cute. But somehow he's it's still that It's that Miyazaki of balance of cuteness and menace. There's always mm-hmm. like an underlying sense yeah. of menacing in all of it. There's nothing like so sickeningly cute. That it's like there's no My Little Pony-ness to any of it. <laughs> yeah, right. And I was expecting sort of like a Hello Kitty sort of thing. Like I, I thought it was gonna just be like this like cutesy little character that makes adorable noises. I'm like, oh no, he's kind of like scary and he's grumbling and he's moaning and groaning and like burping practically. <laughs> um, but his two little buddies are like those are the cute guys. Like the little like he looks like a marshmallow with the ears. And like I like how the design of them are all very similar, where they look like they're part of the same like family or same like evolutionary process like you can tell that one of them is a younger version and the middle one has like the chest marks but not quite as many as Totoro does I think the design of the three of them that they all feel like they're part of a set um, I, I just think that was very well designed uh, just along with everything else like just I think the cat bus is designed because you can draw a cat bus and make it look horrific or just not necessarily appealing all this stuff has such a great appeal to it and that's true of everything he's done all um, spirited away the same thing that that what is it, Mr. Nobody or something? Or No Face, the mask thing. Oh, yeah, thing yeah, that's a very like, iconic uh, image as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like he's he's really good at just, it's his sense of shape and, and form is really, really good. On top of the fact that he's a fantastic guy, I'm assuming he's animating a lot of this. Surely, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, well, that, yeah, he did the whole movie himself. He just sat down. Well, okay, <laughs> all right. All drew right. the F out of it. <laughs> no, I mean, but, I mean, he is, he is the person spearheading this vision. He's, you know, the John Lasseter right, or whatever, right. and that's... And he knows, right, exactly. And I'm sure those guys don't get in those positions unless they have some sort of technical prowess to get mm-hmm. there. I mean, I'm sure you can kind of, strong enough vision you can, but most of the time to direct something, especially animation you're directing, you're going to have to be able to have a certain amount of knowledge or, or know when, like, that's... Because everything is created. You're not just capturing something. You're, you're explaining, no, no, have this come up more. It should feel more. So he needs to be able to understand how that works as and well. And also so, with animation, yeah. uh, there is... Um, like you have complete control over it in a certain sense. Like it's not like right. you, can, you can't it's, be like, oh well, delivered. the sky wasn't right that day. We're done. Like no, you can be like, well, we're gonna paint this sky until we get it exactly the way I want it. And mm-hmm. there's a level of like obsessiveness that uh, a yes. real crazy person like Miyazaki or Mike Mirandi, one would say, uh, would have about <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. their work, which is you know interesting. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, any final thoughts? I've been trying to get out of this podcast for like yeah, the past 15, no, no, 20 no. minutes. Good. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been, this has been a hell from a personal hell. <laughs> um, no, I think I think we kind of we did say everything. I think we should have had another expert on here to talk, kind of talk about more more. Yeah, uh, we're experts enough. Things in more detail. Well, but, maybe that's maybe that's um, someone interesting. I don't know. Right? I, I I enjoyed seeing. I, I enjoyed watching. I think I again. I was worried it was going to be a kids movie, and that opening. I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be so embarrassing. 
But I think it, it does it, it works well as a movie for adults, and I think you have you have an appreciate. I think kids like it because it's it's interesting and funny and cute, but adults can understand like the other the bigger bigger picture and bigger bigger uh, themes and stuff like that. Um, I, I enjoyed it overall. I think. I can't say it's going to be one of my all-time favorites, but I like it, and I'm actually really curious to see more of his stuff. Actually, uh, so. Curious question: I'm What is there. what is your favorite animated film of all? Like, do you have a favorite animated film? Fantasia, <sighs> actually, and that's not, that is not story based, and that has no plot whatsoever. Yep. Um, Mike, what's your favorite? I, you know, I I don't know. I'm, well, there's there's so many different types. You have like 3D animated. You have like stylized 3D. You have like traditional okay. 2D. Well, I, I I don't right. know. Maybe this question was too difficult for you, Mike. But it's too hard. It's too no, hard. It's, it, I I don't. I never like picking no, that's favorites. True. I, I just, I, I'm, I I'm Mr. Hyperbole. All I do is pick favorites, which is a big mistake. When, when it comes to the animation, Fantasia is my favorite. That's, oh, there you I go. No doubt. Dave just dropped the microphone. Mm-hmm. I, when I was I watched Fantasia as a kid, and it scared the living yeah, shit me out too. of me. Yeah, me of, too. Like, demons, and there's like. Dude, even the freaking cutesy little brooms are scary because they start taking over and Mickey's in dire straits hey, and he can't handle like, that one. <laughs> but dude, okay, talk, okay, talk about animation though. I mean, that has some of like the best water effects. Like, just some of some of the scenes are amazing. Imagine being that guy that had to draw the goddamn water. Oh my yeah, god. Well, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, also real quick, fun fact about Fantasia: it's got boobs. It in. does. It does. Oh yeah. yeah. And I remember as a kid, I got to see that. And I was like, "Oh, nice! <laughs> That's what Wait, they look aren't like." They all, aren't okay. they on like like uh, centaurs or something? Yeah. They're all like demons and stuff. It's like oh, not, oh, not you're talking about spoons, the um, the uh, okay, the cheer the, the on Bald Mountain thing. The no, I, I think there's like one. Or, I think there's a couple of pairs. I think, and, and they're all scary from what I understand. Scary boobs. They're scary boobs. But well, they're all flying into a flaming mount, mountain. I think it's just, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Um, that's like the age when like any form of boob like National Geographic boob you just don't have access to boobs at that well, age of any now kind you do. so it's like you're taking but back then you didn't and that's important but yeah. anyway wait you wait on you did no I did not I say but now now every like every everyone has access to the internet so that's destroyed everything like yeah. it's, it's, it's oh, right, boob sure, central exactly, exactly. all the time so all the, which I th- I'm very curious how it's gonna like mess with people's like is everyone going to be insane in 10 years because they got exposed? Oh, everybody's already insane. Look at who he elected yeah, for president. We're all crazy. It's all because they allowed kids to see boobs too early. That's yeah. my thing. That's what it is. That's what it comes uh, down to. Deep, has to be earned. Um, boobs have to I'll be earned. I'll write a thesis about this. Uh, all right. We're, what so do I don't we do know. Let's get out of here. Podcast let's, and, and, let's, okay. This is what happens when, when it goes too <laughs> long is, and I've been trying we, to get Let's out. get out of here. Okay. So you can find us on the web. At, uh, if, uh, if you want to listen to more episodes at reviewedpodcast.com, facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us at reviewed podcast, contact at reviewedpodcast.com. Uh, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? On Twitter, Dave Glanz, G-L-A-N-Z, and daveglanzproductions.com. Mike? Mike? <laughs> Mike? <laughs> you can find me at uh, mikemirandi.com or on uh, Twitter or Instagram or Dribble. At Mike Moran. You can find me at Ivan Kander. That's K N D E R on Twitter. 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 Uh, no. <laughs> you sound like Homestar. Well, I have a speech. Twiddle. I have a speech impediment, which is annoying to a lot of people. No, no, you don't. Come, come on. <laughs> uh, uh, Lucky9studios.com is my website. I also write and edit for a website called shortoftheweek.com. So that's where you can find me. On next uh, week's episode, I believe we're going to be talking about Christopher Nolan's Memento. Right. We're, we're, um, it will be a momentous <laughs> occasion. Momentous son of a bitch. <laughs> Stepped all over it. <laughs> Stepped all over the joke. 
Uh, that's what I do. I just ruin lives. Uh, <laughs> you just stole my awful pun from I me. I know. I'm horrible. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about that movie. Uh, and so until next time, uh, Dave, can you give us some little Totoro to lead us out of here? Totoro, Totoro. Oh, Oh. <laughs> okay. okay. Everyone ready? Totoro, Totoro. All right. <laughs> Hello and, oh God. Hello and what? Well, God damn it. <laughs>